Where did you think this was going to go? I know, seriously. <laughs> she got back home safe. We just wanted to mention Trisha at the beginning of the episode. JK, I just want her to have her better oh, cherries. Right? <laughs> Hello, Wanderers. I'm Jess. And I'm Hannah. And welcome to Wicked Wanderings. Hello, Hannah. Hello, Jess. And hello, Jonathan. Hello. And hello, Rob. <laughs> hello. Rob is going to be part of our episode today. Hey. Oh. Hey. Because this episode was requested by Rob. Yes, indeed. Yes. And this is a case that I have never in all of my 41 years heard of. And I feel old being 41, but that's okay. Well, I never heard of it before I saw it on Apple TV. Right. In which I watched after your recommendation. Excellent. Yes. I know nothing about this. Good. I'm so going we'll in blind. Legit. Oh my gosh. So this episode is about potential serial killer Larry Hall. What do you mean potential? So that's the iffy thing. Larry Hall has not been confirmed as killing as many people as they think he did. But he definitely did it. <laughs> but I'm pretty sure he did. Because what... You will find out what Larry Hall did and then took back. And so I can't figure out if he is one of the smartest men in the country or one of the complete dumbest. Mm. And we will get into why there might be some cognitive delays there. If you guys are interested in this case, watch Blackbird on Apple TV. So on March 29th, 1993, 19-year-old Trisha Reitler was walking from her dorm at Indiana Wesleyan University to a local Marsh supermarket. The Marion, Indiana supermarket was about a half a mile from the university, and she had been working on a term paper and needed a break. So she walked down to the grocery store, bought her a soda and a magazine, and headed back to her dorm. However, Trisha never made it back. Her blood... I love it. Where did you think this was going to go? I know, seriously. She got back home safe. We just wanted to mention Trisha at the beginning of the episode. JK, I just wanted her to have her better cherries. Oh, right? Trisha's blood-stained jeans shirt and shoes along with one of her earrings were discovered folded under a tree in a field near the center elementary school folded was, yes they were folded folded, folded. psycho yes. but they were bloody bloodied mm-hmm. but they were folded. folded that's psychotic behavior yes. do they know if they were bloody then folded or folded them bloody bloodied then folded so Whoa. she had blood on her jeans and this is walking distance right walking distance whoa yes So this elementary school was in between the supermarket and the campus. And like I said, it was a half a mile from the university. So no far distance at all. So Trisha came from a religious family and was close with both of her parents. She was a daddy's girl and was said to always be smiling. And she was a freshman at the university and was a psychology major. Woohoo. And was... (laughs) Don't mind that. And was considering a career as a family counselor. Girl after my own heart. Just saying. Good luck. Maybe she was a saint. Yeah, maybe she was. That's rough. Yeah. She was a homebody and had difficulty adjusting to being away from her family. She was said to have stood out on the conservative Christian campus with her cut off denim and colorful leggings. She was a bubbly free spirit and would often go running at night. And maybe a little naive. Yes. Yes. You don't go running at night. No. Well, number one. Yeah. And it was sad on uh, the case with Paula Zahn. 
episode, they interviewed her father and he had a really close relationship with her and he took her to college. And as he was leaving, she was saying, please just stay with me. And he obviously left because he can't mm-hmm. save her. And it was a couple days after that where they got oh, the police. No. Doesn't that break your heart? Yeah, that's Absolutely. guilt. That's so sad. Ugh. Trisha was reported missing by her roommate the following day when she had not shown up for 24 hours. Her parents received a call from Marion police to see if she had gone home to Ohio, but obviously she hadn't. And by the time Trisha's parents were able to make it to the campus, the college was locked down. Police were posted around the campus and some officers with dogs combed the grounds and the Marion community surrounded and supported the family. More than 150 people, including residents, spent the weekend searching the area. After a week, the Reitlers had to go back to Ohio for their other three children. They would go back and forth between Ohio and Indiana, but there were no leads after more massive searches. And after two weeks, Trisha's mom spoke to reporters stating, that they knew she wouldn't be coming home. Mm-hmm. Trisha's body would never be found. Oh, that's the shittiest thing. Yeah. No Six, closure. No. Six months later, in Georgetown, Illinois, 15-year-old Jessica Roach was riding her new mountain bike around the small town. Jessica's older sister passed her riding as she was driving to the grocery store, and the sisters waved at each other. 30 minutes later, when her sister was on her way back home, She saw Jessica's bike lying by the side of the road, and Jessica was nowhere to be found. She was reported missing, and unlike Trisha, Jessica's body was eventually found. In early November, just weeks after she disappeared, a farmer across the state line in Perryville, Indiana, was working in his cornfield and saw a dark mass. He stopped his tractor and went to investigate and found the badly decomposed body of a young woman. The woman had a broken jaw and had died of strangulation. And because of the decomposition, the medical examiner was not able to identify her. Mm. And he even concluded that it wasn't her. It wasn't the first woman. Wasn't Jessica. But it was another woman who had been murdered. Yeah. So there's Trisha, who went missing, never Mm -hmm. found, and then Jessica, the 15-year-old. Can I ask a quick question? Yes. So we know that Trisha was murdered at night. Mm Mm-hmm. And she had a pattern of exercising at night. Well, supposedly murdered because the body was never found. It's supposedly mm-hmm. murdered, but I mean, the blood gives yeah. me an assumption. But anyway, Jessica, mm-hmm. what time of day did her sister see her? It was mid-afternoon. Okay, so it was like yeah. bright, bright yeah. day. Okay, mm-hmm. interesting. Wow. Yeah, so in the beginning of the show, that's what they show is the young girl, the 15-year-old riding her bicycle Mm -hmm. down a dirt road in the farmlands. Mm -hmm. So, but what time of year was this and where in the States was this? September. And then her body wasn't found until November. Interesting. Okay. Because I'm trying to think of it like Connor said, you know, Mm -hmm. potential serial killer. I'm trying to think of all those things. Like what does him out? Like what's his Mm -hmm. regular practice? Young woman alone at night or... Totally different things. Yeah. Right. Like Bundy had an MO. Like most mm-hmm. of these guys have some type of pattern. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Type yeah. of person, type right. of pattern. Right. And we will get into that. Mm. Which, if he has yes. mommy issues, sometimes they look like their mother, which is always mm. interesting. There is a theory about oh. who the victims look like. Oh, all right. Mm-hmm. The body wasn't even identified at first. The medical examiner concluded that it wasn't even her. And Jessica wouldn't have ever been identified. If it hadn't been for Detective Miller, 
He was insistent that this was Jessica, but because of her body being so decomposed, it was difficult, obviously, for the medical examiner to identify. Jessica had never been to the dentist, so they didn't have dental records. What? Never been to the dentist? Never been to the dentist. Well, you got to think, this is 1993. Mm -hmm. This is out west. Yeah. I mean, we've had dental care nation to nation, even in farming communities. Right, but this is not in the city. This is rural America. Stay with us. We'll be right back. A sincere expression of gratitude to our esteemed patrons. Lynn from Massachusetts, Heather from New Jersey, Chelsea from Utah, Kate from Massachusetts, Margie from Connecticut, Courtney from Massachusetts, Karen from Planet Earth, Amber from Idaho, and Stephanie from Massachusetts for their generous monthly contributions. Their support fuels the engine of our investigative endeavors here at Wicked Wanderings. You too can become a value patron and unlock a realm of exclusive content by supporting our mission for as little as $3 a month. Your contribution sustains our commitment to delivering high quality content. Visit wickedwanderingspodcast.com and click on the support tab to join the ranks of our dedicated patrons. Your investment not only keeps our podcast thriving, but also ensures that you are at the forefront of our intriguing discoveries with bonus content only available for those patron subscribers. Thank you for considering this opportunity to deepen your engagement with Wicked Wanderings. Your support is paramount in enabling us to continue our journey into the realms of mystery and true crime. And now back to the shit show. To be honest, I didn't go to the dentist consistently until I was an adult and over wow. my dental care. I guess we had a good mom, Johnny, because yeah. my up. mom loved me. <laughs> no, no, no I'm doubt. I don't have I'm any of kidding. my original teeth, but the love was there. <laughs> yes. So the teeth are not. <laughs> Detective Miller had gone to Jessica's mom, Terry, and asked her if she had anything at all that they could use to identify her. Terry said that when Jessica was in elementary school, a detective came and talked to the class and had all the kids fingerprinted, and Terry still had the paper with her fingerprints on them. The cool thing about this story is that it was actually Detective Miller who had gone to the class and talked to the kids about safety and had the kids fingerprinted. You never know where your influence is coming in, right? So they were able to lift one fingerprint from the body, and it was a match to the paper that Terry had provided. It, was, it wasn't until almost a year later that Detective Miller got his first break. Periodically, he would check the reports of license plates that had been run. What are you guys laugh, smirking about over there? Oh, I'm sorry. I was just oh. smiling at my brother. I'm sorry. Oh. oh, tender. Smiling at your brother. Footsie with your husband. <laughs> Listen, I love the people in my life. I'll smile at you more. <laughs> okay, thank you. I love <laughs> Since we're sisters now, apparently. Pretty much. Sister wives. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, no, that's not. That's not what we meant. Well, with Rob. No, that, with Rob. That's, that's Rob a, brings chaos to these. <laughs> uh, the sister wives thing is an inside joke from before. Bef- and before Court- Courtney is included in that. Yes. It wasn't until almost 
a year later that Detective Miller got his first break. Periodically, he would check the reports of license plates that had been run, and he happened to come across a report of a man who was driving a van following two girls who were riding their bikes. It's always a man in a van. Right? They never like come up on a moped. No. (laughs) Right? Seriously. I mean, I don't really see that conducive to being a serial killer. Like, where are they going to hide the bodies? They got some saddlebags on their moped. These two girls noticed that they were being followed and tried to get away from him. They found an alley that was partially blocked off by another car so he wouldn't be able to follow them. And so they made it their way through the alley and back to their home and hid their bikes in the garage because they were afraid he was going to find them. Oh, my goodness. Wouldn't that be creepy? So creepy. Crying and upset, the girls went and told their father what had happened. And they went with their dad to look for the van. Wait, what? 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 Just no. Dad, call the police. Right. Yeah. You are scavenger in- hunt. Like what? Right? Let's go see if we can find him. Get in the back. Let's hunt this fucker down. Well, the police are probably like two hours away. You know. Again, yeah. it's rural America. Where in the world are, are they? We'll get there. Okay, because in- Indiana, right? Yeah. Oh, Indiana. Is that what you meant? Oh like yes. Where? Yeah. Yeah, but okay. So they have police there. So I understand. Rob, you're saying rural America, but they have police departments. I think it's just like a dad trying to take shit on his own and be like, I'm going to protect my daughters. Maybe you don't take them with you. What the, well, what? they needed help. He needed them to help spot the van because oh he God. didn't know what he looked they were like. Traumatized. All right. Anyways, keep going. he doesn't just shoot up the Orkin van. Yeah. <laughs> the Orkin van. <laughs> you never know. They spotted the van. And their dad wrote down the license plate number and then went to police. Oh, okay. Okay. There you go. Cool, cool. So this report stuck out to Detective Miller as the two girls were similar in appearance to Jessica Roach. They were had brown hair and they were both riding their bikes. Miller ran the license plate and found out that it belonged to Larry Hall of Wabash, Indiana. Larry was born on December 11th, 1962, along with his twin brother, Gary. So we have Larry and Gary. Larry, oh my God, why would they do that song? <laughs> Two parents, Robert and Bernice Hall. Larry spent his first few days in the NICU due to lack of oxygen because of the monochronic pregnancy. I think that's how it is. Mm. This means that both boys shared and were dependent on a single placenta while in the womb. As a result, Gary received more nutrients and had better growth. Mm. This part is also called twin-to-twin transfusion syndrome, or TTTS. This occurs when abnormal blood vessel connections in the placenta cause an imbalance of blood flow between the twins. One twin, called the donor, and in this case, Larry, gives too much blood to the other twin, called the recipient, and in our case, Gary. This results in dehydration and growth problems in the donor and an overload and complications for the recipient. Some fetuses show structural brain damage, and one-third of the survivors have cerebral palsy. According to Cambridge.org, the survivors can experience long-term neurodevelopmental impairment, severe motor and or cognitive impairment, and developmental delay, Bilateral blindness and deafness requiring a hearing aid. I tell you this as a possible contributor to what Hall became as he got older, and it's possible that there was some cognitive impairment with Hall. Hall did demonstrate some concerning behavior early on. 
at age six, and this comes from Very Scary People with Donnie Wahlberg on ID. So you said Hall. You you mean Larry Hall, right? Because we were just talking about Gary. Yeah, sorry, Larry. Just want to make sure. So when I talk about Hall, it's mostly Larry. Okay. And if Gary comes up, I'll say Gary. If this is inappropriate, you can cut it. But his last name is Wahlberg. Is he related to the Wahlbergs? Yeah, Donnie Wahlberg, New Kids on the Block. And he's related to Mark Wahlberg. Oh, the only reason I know that name is because I work in advertising and we used to advertise, <laughs> like one of my clients was Wahlburgers. Yeah. I went to their uh-huh. corporate offices and met the the one that's not famous, the one who like mostly yeah. owns Wahlburgers. You need to tell them that they so... need to up their game. Mm. Oh, this was years ago. They got rid of us. <laughs> I never have had a Wahlburger, even Me though I neither. worked for them. It's really? Not, it's really sad. It's really disappointing. We have one it's here in Springfield. Oh, they're not good? Yeah. No. I like Plan B Burger, but... There's not one nearby. Yeah, there's yes, there a plan is. B right here. Yeah, right in oh. the basketball hall. They fame. used to have gluten free um onion rings. They still do. I'm so sorry. <laughs> uh, <laughs> never mind. John wants to stay for dinner and have gluten free onions. I mean, if there's gluten free onion rings. <laughs> oh, I'm in. <laughs> so Hall, Larry Hall, did demonstrate some concerning behavior early on. At age six, he tried to hit Gary in the head with a cement block. At age 10, he pulled a butcher knife on Gary. And this information is from the very scary people. I didn't get it on the multiple sources. They didn't mention this. However, it says that he killed some 380 rabbits at their home. Whoa. Yeah, that's definitely like one of the telltale signs yeah. of a, a well, a psychotic yeah, person. <laughs> so I, I think I remember the series on Apple TV+. Plus. That he did kill some animals. So, yeah, some animals. So regardless of how many, like 380, the fact that he did kill some rabbits is concerning. Yeah. Yep. Hall was <laughs> described as a loner and stayed mostly to himself. He grew up in a cemetery as his father was a grave digger. Ooh. And they lived at the home that was next to the cemetery. There's mm-hmm. a word for it, but I don't know Okay, what it that's, that's it's cool. It's like a caretaker's cottage. Mm-hmm. That, that's cool. Just gonna say. It used to be pretty yeah. normal. It's not anymore. Yeah. Gary was taller and slimmer, and he was more outgoing. Larry was pudgier, shorter, and painfully shy. Oh. This part kind of cracked me up. They would so. also play <laughs> jokes on the cops. They would dress up a dummy and throw it in the ditch, and then they would wait for the police to be called, then go get the mummy and hide it and watch for the police to find it. <laughs> It's messed up. I'm not laughing, but kind of comical. So, Rob, they did have police out there. They were, yeah, just, they were busy. They were a little exhausted. Yeah, but. looking for dummies and ditches. So, let's be honest. If you're looking at his childhood, I mean, death was a very relevant part of his life. Mm. It was a common thing. Right. Mm-hmm. And he was involved in like the whole aspect with his father. Yeah. And we'll get to that a little later. But in the show, and I don't know if this is one of the accurate pieces. I didn't hear about it in the book that I read. But like his dad made him dig up the graves and steal Mm. the jewelry (gasps) from the dead. However, I don't know if that is true Mm. or it could be just Hollywood. So you didn't read about that anywhere else? Okay. No. However, but he was involved like with his dad. I think there's something to be said about not being afraid of death and us as a society being so scared of talking about it that I, it's a fact of life. Like we talk about life coming into the world, but not about leaving. Mm-hmm. So, but it's, it sounds like maybe he had a little, 
too much. Yeah, I think he was desensitized to it yeah. to a certain extent. Yeah. Okay, interesting. Another thing that the twins enjoyed, which I found intriguing because I'm a history buff, they loved participating in Civil War reenactments in the area. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, Imagining that. Yeah. And Hall would take part in these reenactments all over the country. And these will come up later. So put this information in your back pocket for now. In 1984, Robert Hall, so their father, was eventually fired from his job at the cemetery due to his heavy drinking on the job, which resulted him putting bodies in the wrong graves. Oh, no. That's like foundational. Yeah. You just need to put people underground. Right. You have one job. But, like, how would they know, really? Unless, like, record-keeping or whatever, but would they dig up the people and be like, this isn't Mr. Jones. This isn't Nana. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Curious question. <laughs> the family had to move into a one-bedroom shack. Instead of moving into the small house, Gary moved out with his girlfriend instead. And Larry struggled big time with this, as his life wasn't a life unless his twin was in it. And it was brought up that the girls that Larry would end up stalking closely resembled his brother's girlfriend. Oh. Yes. So Detective Miller, once they identified Jessica Roach, reached out to the Wabash Police Department and after he found the license plate to see if they knew anything about Larry. Sergeant Jeff Whitmer grew up with Larry and mentioned that he used to participate in the Civil War reenactments. Whitmer also thought that Hall was harmless, even though his name had come up before. The detectives working, so keep in mind, Trisha went missing in Indiana and Jessica went missing in Georgetown, Illinois. So two different jurisdictions. Mm -hmm. And so the detectives working on the Trisha Reitler case had previously reached out to the Wabash Police Department as well for information. They had been told that he was harmless as well. And even though Larry had been caught, arrested and released twice for stalking women in the past five months. Wow. So he has a history of stalking. In five months. In five months. So this would be his third stalking. Fourth, technically. Twice in the five months and then Trisha and then Jessica. Okay. If Trisha was proven. Mm -hmm. Yep. Gotcha. These detectives were also present when Detective Miller went in to interview Larry for the murder of Jessica Roach. Miller showed Hall a picture of Jessica, and Hall had a physical reaction to it. He put up his hands and then looked to the side so he wouldn't have to look at her picture. Hall began crying at some point, then told Miller that he had bad dreams. And this is something that he had mentioned to the previous detectives as well. He had told them that he had a bad dream about killing Trisha Reitler and was now telling Detective Miller that he had bad dreams about killing Jessica Roach. Miller stated on the show, on the case with Paula Zahn, that he knew this wasn't a dream and that it was actually a confession. Hall had mentioned that in his dream, he had picked Jessica up and strangled her with a belt around the tree that he directed her to sit next to until she stopped breathing. Also, during this interview, Miller had gotten Hall to admit that he had been to Georgetown, Illinois, the weekend that Jessica Roach had disappeared. Hall had described the town without naming it and had admitted he had taken part in a Civil War reenactment from there. Interesting. Yes. Miller had already obviously known about the reenactment, but wanted to place Hall in Georgetown. 
At the end of the interview, Hall agreed to a signed confession and was going to be taken back to Illinois the following day. When Miller showed up to take him, Hall rescinded his confession and told Miller that he didn't confess. He was just talking about dreams. Hall did a similar thing with the previous detectives and will do it again when he is asked about other victims. However, because Jessica was abducted and taken over state lines, her abduction was considered a federal case and the FBI actually got involved. Once they were involved, there was a search of Hall's van and the Hall home. He was still living with his parents in the one-bedroom shack (laughs) and had a little part of the house of the living room to his own. Evidence was found in his van that was related to both Jessica and Trisha. There was a picture of a girl with handwritten, like, wrote Jessica's name on it. He wrote Jessica's name on it. There was also a notebook in the van with logs of his stalking women in Marion, Indiana, with mention of the intersection by the Marsh's grocery store where Trisha was last seen. So he would write in comments, seen some pretty girls around here, a lot of pretty women exercising, or girls really, they're not really women. They found articles of Trisha's disappearance, papers where he wrote her name over and over, and an abduction kit involving knives, rope, tape, and a tarp. There was also a to-do list that included items like remove bloody carpet, buy a new hacksaw blade, etc. Oh my goodness. Right? But I think it's so funny that like he made himself a to-do list. Yeah. Like he was that organized. He was like, oh, get milk. Oh, by the way, remove bloody carpet. Yeah. Pick up dry cleaning. <laughs> exactly. And bless you, Hannah. Sorry. It's all good. <laughs> This, however, was not enough evidence to take it to trial, and so no charges were ever brought for Trisha's disappearance. There was, however, enough evidence to charge Hall for Jessica Roach's abduction, and he was arrested on December 21, 1994. He was charged in a one-count indictment with the offense of kidnapping Jessica Roach for purposes of sexual gratification. The district court denied Hall's motion to suppress his confession, and after an eight-day trial, Hall was convicted. The court denied his motion for a new trial, which alleged 77 errors by the court, and sentenced him to life in prison. Hall appealed his conviction with three arguments. First, the trial court should have suppressed his confession, because it was a dream, apparently. Second, the court erroneously admitted evidence of other crimes, particularly the Reitler case. And third, the court erred in refusing to permit Hall's experts to testify about false confessions and his septic ability to coercion and he was granted an appeal mm. hall was then tried again and was found guilty but he would appeal this a second time and this made the prosecutor prosecutor boma nervous and he did not want hall to win the second appeal or to get out of jail and kill again so prosecutor Beaumont was very creative with the idea that he came up with enter jimmy keen my favorite i don't want to go into jimmy keen too much after watching some of the interviews with him and listening to his book, I think he's just a cocky bastard. Absolutely. And it, and it started driving me nuts. If you want to know more about him, check out Blackbird on Apple TV or listen slash read his book, In the Devil, A Fallen Hero. Was I his... mean, that's got to tell you right there. So wait, is the book worth it? I mean, it was very informative, but like the audiobook is goes back and forth between Jimmy's accounts what happened, and then the author. All right, book lover to book lover. Is it worth no. me to read? Okay. Oh. 
You won't. So was the show accurate to what they put in the book? There were definitely some differences, but a lot of the big points were similar. Like he was a big old gunslinger selling guns and drugs and everything. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. Jimmy Kane, not. Yeah. Not Hall. Yeah. Well, Hall didn't have time. No. No, It was not on his to-do list. (laughs) It was not on his to-do list. So in Blackbird, Jimmy Kane is played by Taron Egerton. Egerton? Pretty dreamy. Who I must say is quite easy on the eyes, as Rob just said. What's his name? Taron Egerton. Yeah, someone look him up, would you? <laughs> Plus, he's like in shape. I mean, I like a man in shape. Oh, yeah. He is that kind of square face with the jawline. And the abs and the muscles. Mm. Oh, Right? Absolutely. Hello. So if you watch it just for him, I mean, you'll, it's a bonus. <laughs> Kane grew up poor, and when he was in high school, he started selling marijuana which he was actually really good at. And over the years, his weed business grew and eventually became somewhat involved in selling cocaine. Cocaine! (laughs) (laughs) He also got involved with many legal businesses as well, a real estate firm, high-end car dealerships, yada, yada, yada. Kane is so amazing. But he was eventually caught and he was arrested and was sentenced to 10 years in prison. By none other than Prosecutor Beaumont. Ooh. Yes. Beaumont wanted to make an example of the cop's son and show everyone that he was serious about being tough on drug dealers. However, Beaumont respected Keene for his charismatic ways and offered Keene a chance to get out of jail and have his record cleared. All he had to do was be transferred to a maximum security prison and befriend Larry Hall and become an informant. No biggie, right? That's like an enormous request. Right? Like, what if you don't find any dirt? You're stuck in a maximalist, mm-hmm. not maximalist, but a maximal <laughs> security. Sorry, I am a maximalist. The security is maximal at the prison. That's like a lot to ask. Yeah, and Keen actually declined it at first. And it wasn't until he realized his father was having problems that he he eventually agreed to it. Wow. Mm-hmm. So Keen was directed by the FBI to take it slow, but he was able to befriend him within a couple of months. Keen earned Hall's trust when he stood up for him when Hall and and his group of child killer friends were trying to watch America's Most Wanted. He loved America's Most Wanted. Um, Okay, ironic. (laughs) I mean, who doesn't? Can we talk about what do you mean him and his child killer friends? So a lot of people in the jail... Like, his group of people was separate than everybody else. Nobody liked them. Nobody talked to them because they were the child killers. So that's what they had been accused of. Yes. Mm -hmm. Got it. Mm -hmm. So they all hung up together. Yeah. And they were all quiet, kind of awkward. So what happened was another inmate came in and changed the channel when they were watching America's Most Wanted, which also there's America's Most Wanted episode on Jessica Roach, which I find kind of interesting. So Hall asked him to change it back, saying that they were watching it. And the inmate refused to do so. So Keen got up and changed it back. This went back and forth until Keen and the inmate ended up getting into a fight. And he ended up like kicking him across the room. And so this kind of won the trust of Hall because he stood up for him. And so Hall would eventually invite him to spend time with him and his buddies and ask them to eat breakfast with him. And um, like I mentioned before, if you want to see more 
of how this played out, go watch Blackbird, just because I think Keen is a little pompous ass. I mean, he did a good thing. However, he's just cocky as hell about it, and it mm. annoys me. In specific to Jessica Roach and Trisha Reitler, in this part in the show, you can see the torment that Jimmy Keen is going through having these discussions with Larry Hall. Because mm. he tries to probe him for like, you know, uh, talk to him about girls yeah. and if he's ever had sex with people or women. And and he'll, at least in the show, the actor that they got to play Hall was like, did it really well. I don't know his name. But he would talk about how they weren't moving and mm. how, yeah. Those are difficult conversations. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So he was trying to get information that hadn't been released to the media. And the final thing that Keene had found before contacting the FBI was that Hall had created a map of the area and had little dots where the bodies of the girls had been buried. Whoa, yeah. So the actor's name is Paul Walter Hosser. Yeah, <laughs> that's a funny picture, but he did an amazing job. But I've never seen like an interview or anything with the actual Larry Hall. So I, it makes me wonder how accurate that portrayal was. Mm. So he had a map with dots and then he had hand carved falcons that he had placed next to them. Why falcons, you ask? That is a very good question. Because when... Larry Hall was young and would work at the cemetery with his dad. He asked his father what the birds were that were in the trees, and his father told him that they were falcons and that they were there to watch over the dead. So Larry Hall had carved falcons to watch over all the dead. Except there weren't just two falcons. There were 21, right? Why would there be 21 falcons if he just killed two people? Nope, that makes sense. Because why Why else? 21's a weird number to yeah. come up with anyways. Yeah. I have a feeling there might be more. So Keen knew what he had, what he needed to cut the deal. So I did not tell you the deal. So basically, if Keen were to do this, he would be let out of prison, ASAP, and his record would be wiped clean. Wow. So it would be his, his arrest and jail time never happened. So he knew that Larry was going to be mailing this map to his brother and he had to act now. So he contacted the FBI agent in charge of his case to let them know. He got a voicemail and left a message. But in true cocky bastard fashion, Keen thought that they were going to come get him the following day. So he actually went and lost his shit on Hall and let him have it. Telling him he was a disgusting human being and he deserved to stay in prison for the rest of his life. Oh, no, he should never have done that. Keep your right? mouth shut. Right? Well, it took a couple days for the FBI to come and get him out there. And in all the sources I had, there were two different versions of what happened to the map. In one, Larry had mailed the map to his brother, which his dad ended up burning. And in another source, they said that Larry himself had destroyed the map. Either way, the map was destroyed and they lost that evidence because Keen ruined it. However, there was enough information that Keen had gotten to prove that he had kidnapped Jessica Roach. The information, he disclosed the information about the belt, how Jessica Roach was strangled, that was never released to the public. And also, he talked about him folding the clothes of Trisha after he had oh wow assaulted and murdered her. So 
charges were never brought against Hall for Trisha's murder, but he's doing life in prison now for the abduction, not even the murder of Jessica Roach, but the abduction. But it was enough information for them to decline his appeal where he would stay in jail, which he is currently serving. Wow. And his brother, Gary, actually got involved and went and tried to convince him to confess to more. And his brother actually convinced him to confess to 15 other murders wow. in the area. Wow. Yeah. And there are a few that his brother believes that he did 100%. But so Larry would confess. And then the next time you talk to him, he rescinded all of the confessions. Mm-hmm. So Larry never has come out and said, yes, I did this and stood by it. I feel like with these guys, all they have left is the manipulation. Mm-hmm. So Bundy did the same thing, if mm-hmm. I'm not mistaken. And then there was another, I mean, I'm sure a lot of them have done it, but there's another serial killer that we know about. I feel like that's all they have is the manipulation of the the back and forth, back yeah. and forth yeah. they have left. It's a game now. It's yeah, they get off on it. Yeah. Right, like I'm in here for life or I'm on death row already. What's, yeah, yeah. <laughs> let's play a little. Well, and some people think that he had murdered up to 40 women Mm. and he would confess and then rescind and confess and rescind. And so there's no knowing like what, and he's never, he's never admitted to Trisha. But he's not on death row, right? He's just at life in prison. Life in prison. Okay. So he'll stay there without... Good thing it was a Without federal a case per- of parole. Yeah. yeah, he won't even get parole. I don't. I'm not really for the death penalty. So, but personally, that's a whole other story. Kill them all. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> so yeah, that's that's the short version of Larry Hall. Woo! And it was so interesting. I've never heard of him before. I'm gonna have to watch Blackbird. Yeah, mm-hmm. dude, yeah, it's I very highly, interesting. Highly recommend it. You know, it's. Six ninety nine a month for Apple TV Plus. I think it was six. Rob, or, uh, they do not sponsor. No, yeah, this don't. episode is not sponsored by <laughs> Apple TV Plus. But it should be. I'm I'm pretty sure there's like six episodes. Mm-hmm. When we were in Maine for the week during uh, Labor Day week, I watched it and I, I fell in love. It was it was amazing. It was Taryn, wasn't it? Yeah, it was definitely. I mean, the rest of us were on the porch facing the water, having a cocktail. <laughs> yeah, but not Rob. Rob was holed up inside watching uh, Blackbird. <laughs> yeah, my it's husband little... watched it with me, and we finished it on a weekend. Nice, so. nice binge. Isn't that interesting? Very. I yeah. Do you know what you're doing next? I want to do a case that I think I mentioned before. Uh, yes, my sister's friend yes. that was killed. And he's on, or he was on death row. So there's a lot of death row. Yeah. Um, that'd be interesting. And, and, but this year's the 30 year anniversary of her death. I think that will be a good remembrance. Mm-hmm. And I also want to do another serial killer in Massachusetts that I didn't know about. Lewis Lent, who was involved in the Berkshires mm. in Pittsfield. I love it. I'd be really interested in that. Yes. And, my mother-in-law, my in-laws remember it. It happened in the 90s. Mm. And so I kind of, I'm going to try to get some audio of interviews of people who um, remember Yeah, that'd be happened. so cool. Anyone's welcome, by the way, in person. Yeah. If they want to come. I invite people all the time. Good. <laughs> but no one is going to be Jonathan. I know. Oh, you're such a sweetheart. It's true, though. It's true. It's facts. Uh, 
<laughs> we love having you here. I love being here. Thank you. So you're just going to have to f- move, have a second home in, in Massachusetts. <laughs> oh, hey, we, can, we can always Zoom him in or he can call True. in. I mean, it's not the same. No. no. We it's thank not. you, Jonathan, though, for coming. Yes, yeah, Thank you, guys. Thank you for having me again. Mm-hmm. Thank you very much, Johnny. Thanks, Jess, for the wonderful story. Yes, Thanks, Jess. And good night, morning, evening, whatever it is to our wanderers out there. And I hope you all had a good Thanksgiving if you celebrate. Yes. Bye. 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 Thanks for listening today. The show wouldn't be possible without our amazing producer and editor, Rob Fitzpatrick, who works tirelessly behind the scenes to bring you the best content. And a special thanks to Taiga Soundprod for providing the captivating intro music. Cinematic Intro 24. And of course, we can't forget the hauntingly beautiful outro music, Rhino's Theme, composed by Kevin McLeod. If you enjoyed today's episode, make sure to leave a rating and review on our, your favorite podcast platforms like Spotify, Apple, and YouTube. Your feedback means the world to us. Also, be sure to follow us on Instagram for behind-the-scenes glimpses, updates, and more thrilling content. You can find us at Wicked Wanderings Podcast. Thank you so much for listening and being part of our Wicked Wanderings community. We appreciate each and every one of you. Stay curious. Keep exploring. And always remember... To keep on wandering. Get ready to rock your style with Wicked Wanderings. Introducing our brand new merch. Cozy up in our Wicked hoodies. Or flaunt your vibe in our sweet-ass t-shirt. Join the Wicked Wanderings crew, explore the mysterious, and head to our merch store now. The link is in the show notes below.